Blog Talk Radio. Hey, everybody, this is Dwayne Lay in the captain's chair today for Drive Through HR. It's our Friday host show. Um, right now, I'm the only host that's on the show. Um, so I put out a call on the Twitters and the Facebooks to see if anybody wanted to dial in just to have some chatting time. Um, but it's a good time for us to talk about the challenges that we have working from home and about the transition we're going to see as we get back into the workplace. Um, let me bring on my co-host one second. And Crystal, how are you? You know, I'm living the dream, working, <laughs> toddlers, <laughs> stay at home in a never-ending pandemic. It's fabulous. Yeah, I just, you know, I just said that I was the only host on the show for a moment. Um, and I kind of thrown this out on Twitter and Facebook to see if anybody wanted to join. But I started going down that road that you and I discussed about the challenges of working from home. And as we get to the point where things are opening back up and people are getting vaccinated and having um, yesterday started seeing places that are saying, hey, if you're vaccinated, don't worry about a mask, right? We're going to see more and more places opening back up, more requirements. Um, what, what do you see as how employees will react to knowing they're not going to be done remotely and now being told that they need to return to the office? Like how big of a disruption do you think that's going to be? Oh, I, I think it already is a disruption for so it's it's kind of split into groups, right? So there's there's the contingent of people who are like, oh, thank gosh, I can get back in the office. This is great, yay. Um, so for them, it's not disruptive because it's what they want. They want that sense of of like a return to some semblance of normalcy. But um, in group, like this has become their normal. They've disrupted their life to adjust to this. And, and are not ready to adjust it again, whether that's because they're worried about getting sick or because the upheaval that that takes in their kids' lives and, and their overall family structure, or even just the way that they've adjusted for their lives themselves that they don't have, um, you know, children and then other people within their family, they just don't want to do it again. And so they're not. And what we're seeing is that the companies so far that are pushing for the return to work, like they're seeing attrition. Yeah. There are there are for sure some jobs that that can't be done remotely, right? I know you have clients that are that are manufacturing and you know those kind of things you got to be in person. But for most office slash white collar workers, I think that um, I think it'll be interesting to see how many companies are saying we want you on site, and those candidates or employees saying why? Like I've been successfully working remotely for the last year and a half. Why do I need to be on site now? And, and I think it's going to be interesting to see how companies react to that, what, what they put together to entice employees back into the office. And, and I'm really kind of interested in, um, for those companies who say, you know, it's mandated that you'll be back in the workplace when we know the jobs can be done remotely, if they terminate someone for not returning, like, do they have a, do they have a claim for unfair treatment or lack of, um, I, I'm waiting for the, the slew of, I need to work remotely because I have anxiety. This is an accommodation um, to see, you know, how companies are going to react to that. Well, that's a very interesting, um, interesting take a slant to it that I, I'm sure you're right will come up um, as it relates to the potential for disparate impact. I mean, it really is like, are you, 
are you asking or requiring something of an employee that you are not requiring of other employees? If you're that accommodation for some employees and you open yourself to why can't you make it for all that we, that want it, that request it, right? So there's a lot of work that has to be done from an HR perspective around, you know, being able to show business need for what you're doing and then, you know, equitable application of that need. If you're able to make that accommodation because someone has anxiety, for example, why can't you make it for someone else for whom it would be disruptive to to make that change again, and you have to have ready answers for that, right? So um, it'll be interesting to watch. In the meantime, you know, I, I expect to hear more babbling on um, on conference calls from small people that are still at home. But but there was an interesting situation that came up today, and I, I wanted to pull it up because it was it was written by a writer, so it, it's not surprising that it's poignant, but it, it is very well written. Um, and and it was a woman who child had to stay home from school this morning um, because of a bomb threat or gun mm-hmm. threat. I'm not really sure which, yeah. but, um, but she wrote, you know, we had an hour to figure out what to do with our child for today's bomb, bomb slash gun threat. Parents, it's okay to say no is a no. I cannot call into my job today to cancel my work to sit next to him on an iPad all day. Without his IEP support, it's near impossible. And after this year, for my mental health and his, I just can't pivot again. I can't stop thinking about all of the other parents who only had an hour, who had to leave their kids with friends or neighbors. We need to stop pushing everyone so hard. We need grace. And that comes off of a message that the school sent out to all of the families saying that the schools and facilities will be closed until further notice due to an active threat under investigation by the police department. Students currently on site must be fixed up immediately. Childhood programs are canceled for today until further notice. Um, students will participate in distance learning from home and follow their previous distance learning schedule. All staff should work remotely. And it was an on-the-dime kind of thing. Now, again, you can't really help when there's some sort of, you know, active threat. You know, I, I get the school's perspective of, like, we can't have these people on campus, and that's great. But I also understand from her perspective, like, this is really disruptive, and I'm expected to be an employee, and I'm expected to be a parent, and I have to figure out how to balance the two, and how do I do it? Now, I don't think that problem has actually been solved or has gone away. So because it hasn't, I think employers, a lot of employers want to get their people back on site, but it doesn't, <laughs> it doesn't fundamentally change that we don't have solutions for balance. Yeah. And it maybe even makes it more difficult because as an employee, now I know that I can do my job from home. If I could do it for a year and a half, I can do it for a day. And so it's, it's going to be harder and harder to justify, you know, I've got to drop my child off with my sister, with my parents, with, you know, somebody else so that I can go to the office. And in a situation like this where that, you know, that kid's going to be likely pretty shook up and, and need to be around a parent you know, with, with a number of dual income households, it's not that simple. Right. And so it's, it's hard to look at that situation and say, well, but you have to go do X, right. Because we've seen there's answers, there's ways to get around it. There's ways to handle it. And again, you can do it for a year and a half. You can do it for a day. So it's a matter of, you know, how many employers are going to, you know, try to rein that back in. The flip side of that is, do you, do you want all those, people who are in those situations taking extra days off instead of working from home. Would you rather get some productivity or no productivity out of that day? 
I mean, I know my response to that is always that I'd rather see some productivity out of people, but I also, I mean, with our team, it's a small team, but with our team, it's always been about balance. Like if you have a family obligation, go deal with it. Just get your work done later. Like, you know, there's, there's nothing (laughs) uh, with the company that you've worked with. We've we've had conversations about like, we're not saving lives. You're talking about selling clicks on the internet. right? Right. And so when you look at, when you look at what we do, um, for most people, whether it's, you know, selling clicks on the internet or moving widgets or, you know, helping people with benefits, like these are all important things. They're not more important than the lives that these jobs are designed to support. And so I do think that there's a growing frustration with, with the workforce of like, why haven't employers figured balance out yet? Why can't we figure out balance? Why is this such a difficult thing to tackle? Yeah, and I don't know. I don't know if it's a matter of um, this is how it was and this is how we really want it to be again, um, or if it's, if you know, I think of it as it's not really organizational um, inertia because it's already been changed. So is it, I mean, part of me goes, well, I mean, where's the finance fall on this? Like, is it costing companies money or is it making them money? Um I would imagine somebody's done an analysis of that by now to know which one is actually working. I've seen plenty of studies about, um, you know, four-day work weeks and you know universal basic income and about how it's better for everybody and society flourishes. Uh, I'm confident there are examples to the contrary, but I don't know what the you know overall answer to that is, and I'm not sure anybody knows definitively what that looks like. So, it's so, just, it's, so I hear. I hear you. I'm going to pop in for just a second. Like, there was a study that was released. I think it was by the American Heart Association. Some will tell us. But um, it was it was basically talking about long hours and the impact of long hours on health and how it was literally killing people. And I guess to our point of um, small people, there's a two-year-old that's telling me that his hand is wet. So yeah. my Terrible. apologies for little people in the background. But um, I'll try. Enjoy so there was a study that was put out this thing that was literally killing people. So to me, like we read this study, it was not a small study, by the way. So, you know, when we look at that and see that, to me, the answer is real simple. Like we start saying, okay, you know, like we're not going to demand 12 hours, 14 hours, 16 hour days out of people. That needs to go back to being the exception and not the rule. And, mm-hmm. and for decades, it was the exception. Like, Americans particularly wear overworking as a badge of honor. Mm-hmm. It's not. You know, we have one life, and as employers, I think we have an obligation to the people that we employ to make sure that they're able to have a balanced life. But yes, they do need to handle the responsibilities associated with their job, but as employers, you have a responsibility to make sure that you're staffed appropriately so that you're not requiring one person to do the job of two, three, four, five people. And what right. I'm, I'm really excited to see post-COVID is that there's more people, as we're moving closer to the end of this, that are like, yeah, no, I'm not doing this anymore. I'm just not doing it. Yeah. And, and I hope we see more of that. I've seen, um, in, in the hospitality industry, I've seen a lot of pushback on, um, on the number of hours and the hourly pay. Someone posted a, um, they're talking about, um, like, server wages and about how they're exempt from minimum wage. And someone posted a copy of their check. They worked 70 hours in a week, and their net pay was, like, under 20 bucks. 
because it was such a low hourly rate because of tips. And then they get taxed on the expected tips on top of it. So like those are the folks, as I, I'll admit, I'm on Reddit a lot. And the Kitchen Confidential Board, which is all people in the restaurant industry, I, I follow it because I think the conversations are interesting and because I learn a lot from them. But there's been a big push. People are like, we're not doing this anymore. Like these these restaurants want to reopen and they want to pay us, you know, these uh, very, very low wages for insane hours and, you know, backbreaking work. And if we all just say no, it'll stop. Um, I saw an example this morning from a business that said, you know, we, we couldn't get anyone in. We couldn't get anybody to work. We raised our pay and suddenly we have hundreds of applications and turns right. out we're still because we got people in ready to work and doing a good job and we're still doing it. It's okay. So yeah. it's a, it's well, a thing is always like, well, we're going to have to raise our, our prices because we've had to raise wages and, you know, there there is a level, right? Like it's not it's not this boundless um, potential for revenue, um, but but to a large degree, like no, you raise your prices, you give better service, you're staffed all the time, you're staffed mm-hmm. appropriately, so people have better attitudes, which again goes back to better service. So overall, it provides a better customer experience, and to a point, allows you to make more revenue. The responsibility of the executives in charge is to figure out what is that break point. Like at what point do you stop making more money and then start costing your business, right? And and you staff to to that point as you as you can, right? It's not like a oh this is done we're going to do it this way. You have to grow to it. But I, but I think I think there's enough different examples to be able to say like. Yeah, it's not as simple as you raise or you raise wages, you have to raise prices. Like that's that's a a fallacy that yeah. we tell ourselves in corporate America to be able to justify treating people poorly. Yeah, I, I agree. And I think that part of part of the analysis that you have to do on that as far as the break even is to look at how much a person produces in that role. Um I saw a break for an apparel company. That's our youngest guest ever, I think chiming in. Um, <laughs> yes, but he is but, telling us he's precious. Yes. So I saw a brief from an apparel company that essentially said, you know, if if people are willing to pay an extra 25 cents for a t-shirt, like we could give all of our employees uh, full, full, fully paid, you know, dental, 401k, like all of the benefits, uh, vacation time, all of those things. And that's exactly what they did once they figured out what those breakpoints were. They said, yep, we're going to charge an extra quarter, uh, but then we're going to treat our employees a whole lot better. Um, and it's it's interesting where that trade-off is between wages and value. Um, I thought about um, Cards Against Humanity. They've done some really interesting things over the years. Um, and at Christmas, um, they talked about how this was two or three years ago. Um, one year, they said the the printing company we use, like, and I forget what country this printer is in, but they said, yeah, these, these employees, like they don't get vacation time. Um, they're always working and it was like a, like a smaller shop. So rather than do, you know, some of the crazy stuff they had done in the past, like buying artwork or buying, you know, land or whatever, they instead rented out full capacity for this printer for a week. And so we don't want you to print anything. Like here's the money. We want you to give everybody a week off. And it's one of those things that in the grand scheme of things, it's a huge impact to those people, but it wasn't all that much money, you know, comparatively speaking. And so yeah. those kind of decisions, you know, they're a little more farsighted, I think are great to see. And hopefully, you know, 
the the renewed push for workers' rights um, and and even the unionization stuff we're seeing like out of Amazon and some other places, I think will help us get to that point. Uh, it's just a matter of it of it staying um, together. Well, and so let's hold that thought for just a minute. We're about halfway through the show. Uh, we're looking at a week in the rearview. We haven't touched actually the week on drive food yet, but but but. but. We are talking about something that I think is pretty important. So if you're just now tuning into the show, this is our Friday host show where we talk about things like what we talked about this week or what's happening in the world and in our lives during the week. So it's really just our opportunity to talk about things that are important to to us as hosts, right? And so um, hopefully it's important to you too. And um, you are listening to Drive Through HR, which is the Internet's longest-running HR radio talk show. Dwayne Lang. Dwayne, what's important to you this week? Um, you know, a lot of what I've been thinking of is uh, kind of along the lines we, we've been talking for the last 15 minutes is about work-life balance uh, and about the, the hours and expectations that we put on our teams. Um, you know, I've, so we'll, we'll go a little behind the curtain. Um, so I, I, you know, I started a new job uh, last year and coincidentally started having some health issues. And I don't know if one was related to the other. It may have been. Um, but it's interesting how many people I had talked to that are very dedicated in, in that role and, and people in other companies, but that are working, you know, 60, 70 hours a week, um, especially still coming out of COVID, that people have been short-staffed, they've had pay cuts, um, but everyone sticks through it. And I think about the long-term health implications of both individuals and from a society standpoint, you know, we, we think about the change in work-life balance, what's expected. And now we've got a situation where people have been driven to do these really long hours from home. Um, and what is that going to look like a year from now? So that's, that's really what's been on my mind is where, where we're going over the next year as we return back to work. Some of those expectations change, but I remember the last time we had a major recession and people started having to do the work of two or three people like that never really went away. So is there a return to normalcy we can look for, or is part of this going to be, this is what the workload is going to be going forward? I hope that's not the case. Well, I mean, if we look in history, it's, this is what it's going to be going forward. You know, (laughs) companies find a way to save money and they don't typically go like, all right, cool. Now we're going to go back and spend more money again. We're good. (laughs) They, they do spend more money. just not on correcting those kind of things. Right. Not on that. yeah, well, and so what's interesting to me about that, and, and I've been struggling with this a little bit lately, right? Like companies are big right now into the con- the concept of connected capitalism as it relates to, like, social conscience and the environment, but still it's not trickling into the treatment of their own employees. I don't fully understand that. Um, if anybody wants to call in and talk about this with us, please feel free. Like, we're happy to take calls. Um but otherwise, you know, I look at this and go, well, how can you say the environment's important, which, I mean, it is important. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> Please don't send messages in the drive through saying Crystal doesn't care about the environment. I do. But, um, but how can you look at that piece and go, yeah, you know, what we do in business is absolutely connected to uh, the sustainability of the planet and, and the environment and, and how we um, treat each other out side of the confines of work, but not apply that same thing into the confines of work. You know, where does that sit in an organization? Like, 
how do we how do we connect that because there's a mess yeah um i don't know i don't know the answer to that and i don't i don't know that there's an easy one um but i suspect there will be a whole lot of new hr consultants that will be ready to step into that void and tell everybody exactly what to do um and that's <laughs> that's not entirely meant as i mean it's a little bit of you know good natured ribbing but it's also a matter of like this is going to be a big deal and so there are going to be some people who have some really strong ideas and and know how to market those so um, well, yeah. I'm looking forward to that because I do, I do thinking back to something I was reading recently. Um, and it's a old article on Forbes, uh, like at least a decade old, but it was talking about, um, Coke, uh, Coca-Cola, how they were pushing for connected capitalism, um, back in 2010. And so they were looking at things like how they could, improve like the literacy rates of women and stuff like that was a very interesting article um but you know what i don't see is like what they're doing for their employees Mm. and 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 what i do see is things like you know the coca-cola workers fighting for workers rights in haiti and, and indonesia and ireland you know there's a they're still dealing with um they're still dealing with uh, like accusations of worker mistreatment and exploitation. And so I'm like, okay, I'm glad that you care about the literacy rates of women. That's important. But I also wish you cared about your employees. And I'm waiting for the day that consumers. Okay. Where consumers start saying like, if you don't care about that, we're not going to buy your product. And it, maybe that's what it takes to get companies to change is for consumers, um, buyers, that's B2B, B2C, to make these changes in their buying habits and, and cite the inability to care for the people that make those products as the reason not buying. Has that ever worked? Like, can you think of a time ever where, like, there's been a pushback against the way employees are treated at a company that they were like, we're not going to patronize these people anymore. And the company actually recognized what was happening and then changed their way of operating. I kind of feel like that's happening with Chipotle right now. Is it? Are they seeing a, a dip in revenue? I haven't, I haven't seen any numbers on that. I know I read something about it recently, but I don't, I can't say for sure. I don't work for Chipotle. Like I've, there's been plenty of times where boycotts have worked in the past, but the boycotts, from what I've seen, tend to be we don't like the way the company does something or their stamp on something. Like Chick-fil-A is an example. It wasn't about how they treated their employees. It was about, you know, their stances towards the LGBTQ communities, right? Um, every boycott I can think of, successful or not, was around the, like, political or social stances of the company or the company leaders. I can't ever remember one that was about we're not going to do business with you because of the way you treat your employees. I'm sure they're out there. I would love to know an example of one, but I, I can't come up with one off the top of my head. So what does that say? Well, yeah, that's a, that's a really interesting thing. When you, when you consider that at least in 2020, four out of every 10 consumers were currently boycotting a company. And the, the, reasons the top two reasons for boycott at the time were pandemic and politics Hmm. so i mean that's fascinating but 
a quarter of the people that they surveyed choosing to patronize companies because of racism. So, you know, I was going to say similar to reasons with Chick-fil-A, which theirs wasn't racism, right? It was around um, uh, equity and equality. But it wasn't about race. It was about uh, sexual preference, right? And so, you know, when we look at that, if we have so many people that are willing to boycott, you know, why are they not looking at that or are they looking at that? We just don't see it in the media cycle around employment. Do boycotts really work? So there's, there's plenty of information about there, uh, about that out there about boycotts. Um, I was actually just scrolling through an, uh, an HBR article. The beauty of doing a show during the internet age, I can actually look it up while we're talking and see what I can come up to. Um, but it's talking about um, why boycotts are or are not successful. Um, they're talking about like, the activists being strategic, and it, it does talk about Chick-fil-A. Um, but B2B companies very rarely get hit with a boycott, you know, just because, you know, if you want to um, – you know, if you wanted to boycott IBM because of the way Lenovo builds their laptops, it's not terribly directly successful because Lenovo still sells the same stuff. They still use the same labor. Um, so how do you how do you drill down that? How do you make that stand? Uh, it, it's interesting to to think about. Again, don't have an answer for it right now. Um, it's a it's definitely a change in the way that we've seen um, consumers reacting to companies, and I think it's as much noise as we've heard about it. Um, as far as like employee treatment, but I think that it's a bigger piece to have employees for you anymore because of these things. Um, the the other part of it that goes along with that is you know, the the continued stories that come out about the Amazon um, union vote, and it was overwhelmingly anti-union. And now there's a, a story that I read that there was a mail that was outside of the um, Amazon warehouse in uh i think it was in bessemer like there was a box installed specifically for people to mail in their their union ballots it was installed at the request of amazon and apparently they had keys to it now what they had keys to is is a question was it a parcel area did they have the ability to actually get to all of the votes that were in there um but either way we think about the appearance of impropriety being something you definitely want to avoid especially in that circumstance um, the, the Amazon thing is the, is the best example I've seen about a renewed union push. Um, and I don't know, I, I expect to see more of that, but I think that it being downvoted so strongly with Amazon probably set that back more than a little bit. Yeah. Do you think we're going to see more of that, more pro-union activity, um, dealing with working condition hours and wages the way they are? I mean, I think. Uh-huh. I think to the degree that, that they can, they will, right? Unionization happened for a reason. We haven't solved the problem behind why it pushed to be in with. So, so yeah, I, I would say that's, that's quite possible to probable. Um, not to turn on a completely different subject, but we've got about three minutes left, and I want to do a few um, shout-outs before we leave, if that's okay. Sure. Uh, so, so recently we had Alex Her on our show, uh, which was great. Uh, loved talking with him. Um, what people may or may not have known is that behind the scenes he was looking for his new home, uh, professional home, which he has found. Maybe that's part of what we need to change and stop calling work home. Sorry, that's what this is. But 
found uh, found his next role. So if you are connected with him on the internet, give him a shout out. Can't quite share publicly where he's going yet, but it's a pretty fantastic company. Um, great challenges for him to to work on solving. So congratulations, and also Jennifer Candy, who um, is across the pond, but well known in HRTA circles, um, has accepted her new role as heading up TA strategy. Um, employer brand will sit underneath her with Cargill. Hmm. So congratulations to Jennifer. That's fantastic. She will be starting with them at the end of June. So I think celebrating these kind of things in our community, especially now, is important. So if you have a promotion or a new job or just a shout-out you want to share to somebody who's doing good and you'd like to hear that on the drive through please let us know. You can shoot us a message at Facebook through the show page, and we're happy to share that out. Absolutely. And I, I see the note that uh, our friend Dina Medeiros is leaving Blizzard. Um, so she's been yeah. there for a while. So very excited to see where she's headed next. Yeah, I can't wait to hear about that. She's done such great work with, with Blizzard. Uh, if you didn't if you didn't know, now you know kind of a thing. Um, she actually started their employer brand program, so their talent attraction, the things you see online like that, started with her when she took that job several years ago. I think it was five or six years ago. And um, and now she has quite a team that, uh, that does that work with her, and I'm sure she feels like she's leaving them in a good position. So it'll be great to share what she's got next, what her next play is. On that stuff. note, speaking of next play, we should probably talk about next week. Okay, let's do that. What's coming up? All right. Well, on Tuesday, I'll be talking with Martin Burns of um, the Recruiting News Network. He is their managing editor. He also works at HireClick, so that should be fun. Who are you talking with next week? Um, I actually don't know. I've got <laughs> – so for <laughs> – Anyone I have talked to, like, um, I, I'm the one of the four of us that, that pre-record shows. Um, and I've got three shows now that are waiting to be edited so they can be put in. So for me, it's a matter of which one I can get to first um, and then getting it on the schedule. So uh, I will tell you it's probably going to be about recruiting because uh, those are the ones I've been talking to. So, But I don't want to say which it's going to be because I don't know who's going to be able to, to get done first. So you'll have to wait and see. Okay. So surprise show from Dwayne. That sounds fantastic. All right, well, now we know what today. We referenced some of the stuff that happened this week. I really did enjoy being able to talk a little HR Puckhead. So maybe one of the things you can throw in next week is a little more um, hockey since they're in the playoffs. But I don't know. That's probably up to you and the HR Puckhead community. It kind of depends on how the next couple games go. Um, the Blues are not doing great. So the, the playoffs might be something we don't talk about for a while. Um, but if that's the case, we'll, we'll, we'll get Tiffany on here. We'll talk baseball. It'll be fantastic. You know what? As long as we have a little sword somewhere to take our mind off of the day-to-day, I think that's a great thing. But speaking of the day-to-day, I've got to get back to it. All right. Well, thank you for dialing in and not making me do this alone. Thanks to everybody who listened. Uh, Have a wonderful weekend out there, and we will talk to you on the other side. Okay. Thanks. Bye, all. (laughs) 